I've always lived my life by a certain moral code. Decent, honest, upstanding. A few regrets, not a lot. But now I wonder. Things don't look the same. What had always seemed harmless and insignificant now carries a certain contempt or a stench or a stain. I don't know how I didn't see it in the past. So I decided to change. Live a life of honor, dignity, substance. Work harder, be a more agreeable person. Find value in other people, add value to this world. But whatever I did seemed incomplete and temporary. My change wasn't of substance, it was superficial. And then it hit me. What I was trying to do was impossible. Humans can do amazing things, but one thing we cannot do with all of our wisdom and experience and ingenuity is to truly change. Change at the depths of our soul. Sheer will and a commitment to improving our lives might be noble, but in reality it's just a facade. Is a clean slate possible? What do you think? Is it possible? Is a clean slate even possible? Is, there, is a fresh start possible? Can we have a clean slate, a fresh start? Can we live a life that is free from guilt? A life that is free from feeling unworthy? Can we live a life that is free from shame? I believe that it is possible. I think that millions of people walk around every day with this load of guilt and shame and unworthiness and they just bear it all the time. They feel like they don't measure up. They feel like they're missing the mark. They feel like they're just falling short and tripping all over themselves and they just, they don't know what to do about it. They want a fresh start. They want a clean slate and they don't know where to find it. They don't know where to get it. They feel like they don't measure up, like they're missing something. <clears throat> they feel bad, and they don't know why. They're afraid to go to church because they feel like if I go to church, I'm only going to be made to feel worse than I already do. I believe that a lot of people want to change. They just don't know how. They want to be free from the guilt of life, the guilt of their bad decisions, the, gift, the guilt of their failures. They want to be free from the shame they want to be free from addictions and behaviors and habits that they, that, that, that they don't like. But they don't know where to start. They're looking for answers and they're looking for freedom. They're looking for forgiveness. They're looking for a clean slate. They're looking for a fresh start. The good news is, that's what we're going to talk about today is how to have a clean slate and a fresh start with God. Because I believe that it is possible to have a clean slate and a fresh start. Today we're talking about the biblical plan of salvation. Every year that I preach on the last Sunday of the year, this is the sermon I preach. 
uh, every year. It's the one sermon that I repeat over and over and over again because I think it's so very important. I think it's absolutely vitally important that we understand what it is that God expects of us and what it is that and how it is that we can have a clean slate, how we can have a fresh start. And so maybe for you today, maybe you, you're looking for that. Maybe you're looking for this clean slate. Maybe you're looking for a fresh start. And you're thinking, if I can just get a, a do-over, if I can just have a, a mulligan, if I can just do-over and, and get a fresh start, then, then everything will be better. Everything will be better. This sermon is for you. Or maybe you know somebody who needs a fresh start. Maybe you know somebody who needs a clean slate. And I want to tell you right now, what you can do is later on today, probably... Probably tomorrow morning, there's a football game on this afternoon, um, but probably tomorrow morning, uh, there will be, this, this message will be online at gfcc.net, and you'll be able to click on, over to gfcc.net and see this, and you can share this message with somebody, somebody you know who's just saying, man, I, I, I need a fresh start, I need a clean slate, this is where, you, you'll find it in this message, and I want you to share it with somebody. Uh, who needs to hear about it, okay? So if, if you're in need of a fresh start, I want you to pay close attention. If you know somebody who needs a fresh start, I want you to share this message with somebody. You know, we just celebrated Christmas, and it's really just a wonderful time of year. We have a great time with our friends and our family. We came together on Christmas Eve and had our service here. Had our biggest crowd ever for our Christmas Eve service. There were 120, almost 125 people here for Christmas Eve, which was great. Uh, we have, we, yeah, that's the biggest we've ever had. So I was very excited about that. Um, as we celebrate Christmas, though, we think about how Jesus came into the world to be our Savior. That Jesus came to save us from something. It's what Christmas is all about. He came to be our Savior. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. He will save the people from their sins. So God sent his son Jesus to be our savior, and we needed to be saved from something, and what we needed to be saved from was our sins, and that is exactly why Jesus came, and that is exactly what we're going to talk about today, is how can we have a relationship with God, how can we have forgiveness from our sins, how can we be forgiven, how does Jesus save us? Well, our next sermon series, just so you know, as a little plug, starts next Sunday, and it's called The Rise and Fall of Us All. And it's based on Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And we're going to go right back to the beginning. It's a very good place to start, or so I've heard. And so we're going to go back and we're going to look at Genesis 1 through 3. And we're going to talk about things like creation. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about marriage. Uh, we're going to talk about our relationship with God and the kind of relationship he desires to have with us. Because it's the kind of relationship he had in the garden at the very beginning. So we're going to talk about all those things over the next several weeks on Sunday mornings, and that starts next Sunday with the rise and fall of us all. Uh, for today, though, I'd like you to grab your bulletin, turn to page 3 to the HDO, to the handy-dandy outline, and uh, you can fill in some blanks there. Uh, if you've been around here for a while, you probably can fill in these blanks already, because I preach on this, I mention it every single Sunday. Only today is just really intense version of the BRCB, and we'll get into what that is. I love I love alliterations, and I love acronyms, and I love shortening things. So that's why we call the, H, the Handy Dandy Outline the HDO. That's why we call the BRCB, the Believer, Repent, Confess, Be Baptized. And, and uh, if you were to see like this little sermon outline that I put together every week, you'd see just uh, 
shortened uh, acronyms for everything. So, um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I have a sermon to preach. Um, the first step in the biblical plan of salvation is to believe. Is to believe. We have to have faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. One of the most famous verses in all of Scripture is the one you see up there. I want you to read it with me, okay? So take a look at the screen. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. We know it. We see it all the time. We hear it all the time. You hear it everywhere. Uh, we see it at football games. They hold up a sign. John 3.16. They don't do that as much as they used to. Uh, but there was a guy with like a rainbow-headed wig, and you know, and he'd hold up the John 3.16 sign, and people are like, what time is John 3.16? I don't understand. John's coming at 3.16? No, that's not what it means. It means, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever will believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's all about faith. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. In Ephesians 2, 8, uh, Paul wrote, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. That that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus Christ, God's grace is applied to our faith and we are saved through faith. But that's only one part of the plan of salvation. It's only the first step in salvation. But you know what? You cannot be saved without faith in Jesus. It's not just, it always comes first. It always comes first. You've got to have faith. Well, what do we have to believe? I mean, what kinds of things do we need to believe? One, we need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He is God's Son. That God sent His one and only Son to be our Savior. That we believe that Jesus is God's Son. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Peter replied to Jesus. When Jesus says, who do you believe that I am? This is what Peter said. He said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That he believed that Jesus was the Son of God. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John explains his entire gospel, the entire reason that he wrote. He says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It is about believing in Jesus as the Son of God. We need to believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he is our Savior, we believe that Jesus died for us, that he took our place of punishment, that the punishment that we deserved, Jesus took upon himself. In, John, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul wrote, For the wages of sin is death. What we earn by our sins is death. That's what we deserve because of our sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That God, instead of giving us what we deserve, instead of treating us as our sins deserve, rather he gives us life. We do not get death, we get life instead. And that is not just any life, but it is eternal life. We are given eternal life through Jesus Christ our Savior. So Jesus took our punishment upon him on the cross. And through him, we can have life in his name. 
In Romans, uh, in the other thing, we need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to believe that Jesus is our Savior. We need to believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What are you saying? That there's only one way to be saved? That's not what I'm saying. It's what Jesus said. In John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I am a truth. He didn't say, I am a life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who gets to go to the Father except through Jesus? No one gets to the Father except through Jesus. You can believe in Muhammad. You can believe in Buddha. You can believe in yourself. But there is only one way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Pastor Greg Laurie of Harvest Church once said that uh, he believes that, that all roads lead to God, but only one road leads to heaven. And what he means by that, I, quote, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. All roads lead to God's judgment seat. Every road will lead you to God. But only one way will get you to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. And it sounds so politically incorrect, right? That is not very politically correct, Sean. That's very exclusivist. That's not nice. We need to be tolerant, right? Right? No. Jesus was not tolerant. Jesus was exclusivist. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what makes our job of making disciples so important. People need to hear this message. They need to hear that Jesus died for their sins and that he is the only way to be saved. Like I said, there's only one way that leads to heaven. It is the narrow road. It is the narrow path. Jesus said to enter through the narrow gate. It is narrow because so few find it, he said. Now, I believe that God is a God of love. I believe that he loves every single one of us. He loves every single thing he's made on this earth. He loves absolutely everybody. And his greatest desire is that they would hear the good news of Jesus Christ and that they would put their faith and trust in him. That is God's greatest desire, to spend eternity. And you know how I know it is his greatest desire? Because he gave his only son. He gave his only son so that we could be saved. That is how far God was willing to go to get you and me into heaven. That he sent his only son. How many of you have children? How many of you love your children? Better be the same number of hands. I love my son. And I love you. But I don't love you as much as I love my son. I'll be, I'll be honest, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. I love you. I do. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I, I love working with you. I love serving with you. I love... I love you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't love you as much as I love my son. I love my son. Spend 10 minutes with me and you will know how much I love my son. Would I give him up <laughs> for anything or anyone? See, that's what God did. God loved his son. And he loves you. And he loves us so much. That he gave his only son. He sent his very best. So that he could save us. He sent his only son. Because he would rather. He would rather let his son be crucified. Than to spend eternity without us. That is amazing love. And amazing grace. That is how far God was willing to go. To get you and me into heaven. See some people say that God's out to get them. And they're right. 
God is out to get us into heaven. He is out to get us into a relationship with him through his son Jesus. God's out to get you, my friends. He's out to get you into heaven. The next step in this biblical plan of salvation is to repent. Jesus preached when he started his ministry, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, it says that God commands people everywhere to repent. You know, that's a word that we don't use very much. We don't talk about repentance a whole lot. What does it mean to repent? What does repentance mean? Literally in the Greek, it means a change of mind. It means a change of mind. It means a change of heart. It means a change of attitude. No longer do you want to live for yourself. No longer do you want to live for sin. But you want to live for Jesus. You want to live for God. You want to turn away from sin and turn to God for forgiveness. It is a turning. It is a change. Instead of living for yourself and living to please yourself, now you're going to live for Jesus and live to please God. You, do you know how many people have heart bypass surgery every year? It's about 600,000. 600,000 people in our country have heart surgery to do bypasses every year. That's a lot of heart bypasses. It's a lot of heart surgery. It's a lot of hearts being operated on. 600,000. Within two years, 90% of those people who have heart surgery haven't changed their lifestyle at all. Even though the doctors tell them, you've got to change your lifestyle. You need to stop smoking. You need to stop drinking. You need to reduce stress. You need to exercise more. You need to eat the right foods. And yet 90%, two years out from heart surgery, haven't changed their lifestyle at all. They've been told, you must change or you will die. And yet they don't change. You will change or you will die. And yet they choose to die rather than choosing to change. We do the same thing in our own lives. Jesus wants to come in and do heart surgery on us. In Ezekiel chapter 26, uh, chapter 36, verse 26, God said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Change is hard. Change is difficult. Repentance is hard. Repentance is difficult. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, oh yeah, repentance is easy. Heart surgery is easy. <laughs> Ask somebody who's had bypass surgery if it's easy. When they do heart surgery, it's serious business, right? Jesus wants to do heart surgery in you. Jesus wants to do heart surgery in me. And he says to us, you must change or you will die. And yet, change is hard. And we don't want to change. How many times do we, get, do we come to church on a Sunday morning and think, oh, I messed up again, I need to change, I need to change, and then go right back Monday morning, same person we were. We need a daily repentance, a daily surrender, a daily taking up the cross and following Jesus. It is a daily death, a daily repentance. And you can either die to yourself or you can die forever. It is a daily repentance that we need. God wants to replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh that is beating with life and vitality 
And it requires that daily change, that daily repentance. And we're not alone in this, okay? It's not all up to us. The change is not upon you completely. The Holy Spirit, when you get baptized, the Bible says that you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And it begins to change you from, He changes you from the inside out. He, you are a partner with the Holy Spirit in this change process. And don't resist the, the power of the Spirit. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to change your life. To do that heart surgery that Jesus wants to do in you. The third step. The third step is to publicly confess your faith. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Matthew 16, 16 is the basis of our confession that we use here at GFCC. When somebody comes to join our church family, whether through baptism or transfer, we ask them to repeat Peter's good confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we ask you to say, and you are my Lord and Savior. Because whoever confesses Jesus as Lord will be saved. We need to confess Him as Lord and Savior. That Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the Son of God. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. Not just, you know, it's easy to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive me. I want you to take away my sins. It's not so easy to make Him your Lord. And to say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you as my Lord. I'm going to serve you as my King. I'm going to serve you as God. But that is who He is. He is God. He is Lord. He is King. And we must make Him the Lord of our lives. He is Savior and He is Lord. So we believe in Jesus. We repent and turn away from sin and turn to God for forgiveness. We confess our faith. And the last step is to be baptized. The last step in the plan of salvation is to be baptized. In every instance in our churches, in the Christian churches, Churches of Christ... We uh, use the book of Acts as our model for how we do church. That's, the, that's what we're trying to do is get back to how they did things in the book of Acts. And in every instance in the book of Acts, when somebody comes to faith, they are immediately baptized. Immediately baptized. Every single time. On the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people were added to their number that day. They baptized 3,000 people in one day. That's 12 apostles, maybe 11, uh, but there were 12 apostles. Okay, let's say there's 12, all right? 12 apostles, that's 250 baptisms each. That's awesome. My arms would fall off. But it would be the best feeling ever. My arms just dragging. That would be so great. 3,000 people added in one day. In Acts chapter 8, Philip was preaching in Samaria. And it says that they believed, the people believed and they were baptized. Even Simon the sorcerer believed and was baptized. In Acts 8.36, Philip was teaching the Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, there's water. What's to keep me from being baptized right now? And they went down in the water. He baptized him. And the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. In Acts chapter 9, Saul the persecutor became Paul the apostle when he, was, when he believed in Jesus and was baptized. And he was immediately baptized by, by Ananias. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, who was a Gentile, and his entire household 
believed and were baptized. In Acts 16, Lydia believed and her and her entire household were baptized in Philippi. The Philippian jailer believed and his family was baptized. In Acts 18, Paul was preaching in Corinth and the people believed and they were immediately baptized. Faith always comes first and then baptism. I'll tell you right now, that's why we don't baptize babies. Because they don't have faith. They can't believe in Jesus. Faith always comes first and then baptism. And something amazing happens when we're baptized. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says that we are united with Christ in his death and in his burial and in his resurrection. That when you go down into the water, you die to yourself and you are buried with Christ and then you are raised to new life. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you are spiritually raised from the dead when you're baptized. That's why we baptize by immersion. That's one of the reasons we baptize by immersion is because we are united with Christ in death, burial, and resurrection. Another reason we baptize by immersion is because there's a Greek word called baptizo. And the Greek word baptizo literally means to dip, to plunge, or immerse. Now there are Greek words for sprinkle and Greek words for pour, and then there's a Greek word for immerse. The only word used in the New Testament for baptism is the word for immersion. It's baptizo. It's a word that literally means to wash dishes. Now I want you to think back in time, all right? For some of you, this may be your current reality. For some of you, this may be a long time ago. For some of you, this may be a dream. Think back to a time when you didn't have a dishwasher. When you had to either give birth to one or you had to do it yourself, to wash dishes yourself, right? So think back to this time before the days of General Electric and Whirlpool and Kenmore and dishwashers. What a miserable existence. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times, but mostly the worst of times. If you're like me, you hate washing. How many of you hate washing dishes by hand? Hate washing dishes by hand. I got a stack of pots and pans at home just waiting to be washed. And you know why they're waiting to be washed? Because you can't put them in the dishwasher. Why can't you put them in the dishwasher? Because if you put nonstick coated pans in the dishwasher, the dishwasher detergent eats away the nonstick coating. And then when you go to cook with it again, that stuff, that toxic substance that <laughs> gets into your food and it will kill you. Okay, I, I, I don't mean to be morbid, and I don't mean to be, you know, uh, alarmist, but that's what they say. So don't put, if you're putting your nonstick pants in the dishwasher, stop doing that immediately. If you don't get anything else out of the sermon, and believe me, I hope you do, but if you don't get anything else, that's a tip from your Uncle Sean, don't put your nonstick pants in the dishwasher. Okay, so I have this stack of pots and pans at home that are waiting to be washed, and they're waiting, me to, waiting for me to baptize them. Not literally baptize them, but see, that's what this Greek word baptizo means. It literally means to immerse. And it's a water, it's a, it's a dishwashing word. And you take your pot, you take your 12-inch saute pan, you take it, you put it under the water, you grab a sponge, you scrub it all up, you make it nice and clean, you rinse it off and put it away after you dry it. Got to dry it first. Otherwise, you know, you get all kinds of problems. Anyway, so you, you wash the dish, you put it under the water, you scrub it up, you wash it, you rinse it, you dry it, you put it away. When we get baptized, God takes, we go under the water and God washes away our sins. He cleanses us and forgives us. When Ananias told Paul, about, who was Saul at the time, about getting baptized, he says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. 
That when we get baptized, God washes away our sins. We call on the name of the Lord in baptism and we are, our sins are washed away. And we are completely forgiven and we are completely made clean. And, and believe me, there's nothing magical about this water. There's nothing magical. It's plain old Griffith, Indiana chlorinated tap water. That's all. There's nothing holy about the water. It's nothing special about the water. It's warmed up. That's nice. It's a, it's a nice 80 degrees or so. It's beautiful. How many of you were ever baptized in a cold river? Some of you ever baptized in a cold river? Nice. That's hardcore right there. That's a day you'll never forget. It's, like I said, there's nothing special about the water. What it, what's special about baptism is God's grace. That God's grace is applied to your faith in Jesus Christ when you are baptized and he washes away your sins. He cleanses you. And some people will say that baptism is a work. Well, it's a work. And we're not saved by works. According to Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10, you're right. We're not saved by works. And baptism is not a work. Well, what do you mean it's not a work? Let me tell you why it's not a work. Because baptism is not something you can do. Hmm? That's right. Baptism is an act of submission. It is an act of obedience. It is something that is done to you. It is not something that you do. You can't baptize yourself. Can't go home, jump in the bathtub, and baptize yourself. Can't. It's an act of submission. It is an act of submission. That's why whenever I tell, whenever I baptize somebody, I say, "You are now being baptized into the name in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." It's not about me baptizing you, and it's not about you being baptized. It's about God washing your sins away by His grace through your faith in Jesus Christ when you're baptized. And it's a beautiful thing. It's amazing. It's the best part of my job. I have, I have wonderful things about my job. I get to do weddings. Weddings are great. You know, you get to start p- two people off in their, on their life's journey together. You know, it's that starting line. I was talking in the first service about my, my own wedding. I celebrated my 15th wedding anniversary. I shouldn't say I celebrated. We celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary this week. There were two of us. Um, you know, and uh, so we celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary this week. And you know what? To me, baptism is a lot like getting married. Because it's not a... When I, on December 26, 1998, when I stood before family and friends and got married, that wasn't the finish line. That was the starting line. That was where we started our life together. Baptism is a lot like that. Baptism is not a destination. Baptism is not your arrival. Baptism is the starting line. Everything leading up to that point is getting you to that point. But that's where life begins. That's where eternity begins. And you start at that line and you move forward on into eternity. And what, however long of a lifetime you have, it starts. Your eternal life begins at that moment. And that's awesome. Baptism is amazing. It is incredible. I've been accused of overemphasizing it. I'm not going to stop. Sorry. Don't like it. There's other churches that don't talk about it as much. I'm not telling you to go somewhere else. But this is what you're going to hear here. I'm going to preach about baptism. Because I believe in it. Because I believe that that's what God tells us to do. In, in, the, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus said to go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That Jesus commanded us to baptize everyone everywhere. And until the day comes of his return, that's what we're going to do. And I'm so excited that we have a baptism today. But what is your next step? We're going to put the ball in your court. 
What is your next step that you need to take in this biblical plan of salvation? Maybe you need to uh, further investigate what, we, what you believe. You need to further investigate what the church, uh, what, what the Bible says and what churches believe. And maybe you need to further investigate Christianity. If that's, if that's your next step, I want you to call me. I'm going to give you my cell phone number, okay? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. My cell phone number is 219-895-6692. It's 219 219- 895-6692 and I want you to call me if you have questions about getting baptized if you have questions about what we believe I want you to call me and say you know what Sean I got to talk to you about this let's set up a time let's get together and talk about what it means to be a Christian what it means to be uh, to get baptized what it means to believe in Jesus so that's my cell phone number 219-895-6692 you can call me anytime day or night it's right there by my bed when I sleep it goes off I jump up I answer the phone try to sound like I'm awake <laughs> but believe me I'm not um if it's after 10 o'clock, I am not awake. Early to bed, early to rise, right? Means I got a seven-year-old in the house. So uh, if you want to further investigate the, what Christianity is all about, I want you to give me a call. The other thing, uh, next step you, maybe you need to take is to attend our Next Steps class, ex- attend our membership class. That's January 15, 2014, from 6.30 to 9. We want you to come check it out. You can learn a lot about what we believe and why you should be baptized. You can learn a lot about how we do things here at GFCC. We invite you to take that. You can sign up for that out the door and to the right on the sign-up table. Take a blue binder and bring that with you that night. Uh, or you can schedule a time to meet with me even this morning. Come up to me. Hey, can we get together this week? Let's talk. Let's talk. Or maybe you want to be baptized. Maybe you're like, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about this for a long time. And the time has come. The day is here. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the day. I've got to be baptized today. You can do it. We have, Like I said, we have one baptism already. We've got room for two, three, four, five more. It doesn't matter. If you're ready to do it, these folks will wait for you. That Bears game doesn't start till 325. <laughs> That's right. We can baptize all afternoon if we have to. <laughs> we will. The Bible says that the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. And I want to start a party in heaven, folks. So if today is the day, maybe you need to be baptized today. You can do that today. And for the rest of you, maybe you've already been baptized. You're walking down the heaven road, right? Maybe it's time to tell somebody else. Like I said, you can direct them to our website, gfcc.net. Tell them to watch this video about, and, and hear about the biblical plan of salvation. Or maybe you need to take the notes that you took this morning and take those to somebody else and say, you know what, I heard a really great message, and you did. I heard a really great message yesterday at church about, about how people need to be saved and, and how you can be saved, and, and, and I want to tell you about it. Because you know somebody. You know somebody who needs Jesus. We've got to tell them, okay? We've got to tell people. Because they need to hear this, because this is good news. This is the good news that the angels told the shepherds about. That a Savior has been born and He has come into the world to save us from our sins. And we do that. We find salvation. We are saved when we believe, when we repent, when we confess our faith and are baptized.